All right, guys, the truth is our health as men is incredibly important. There's emotional health, mental health, spiritual health, and physical health. And what we're going to be focusing on in this episode is our physical health. We want to know what we should focus on as men and how to be proactive in our health in every area. Bhavesh Patel is our special guest. He's a medical doctor who specializes in personalized optimal wellness. He's board certified in age management medicine and family medicine and is the founder of Synagenics Chicago. He's over 20 years of patient care experience, but for the last 11 years, he has specialized in helping thousands of patients recapture their vitality and health, often getting them off their medications along the way. He's also currently the courtyard barbecue champion among his neighbors in Chicago, specializing in brisket and bourbon. We're glad to have on the Confident Man podcast, Bhavesh Patel. Welcome to the Confident Man Podcast, empowering men with the confidence they need to live their adventure. Now, here is your host, David Maxwell. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the show today. I am happy to introduce to you today, Dr. Bhavesh Patel, who is coming up to us from the great city of Chicago, land of the great pizza. And uh, Bhavesh, glad to have you here today. Hey, David, thank you very much. Uh, love your podcast and uh, you, you're doing great work. So thank you for having me on. Yeah, glad to have you. Bavesh is a friend of mine. We met in Utah at a retreat we were at and uh, I went to one of his um, online seminars he did uh, about health and different things. And it was one of the most incredible things I'd been through. So I wanted to have him on and let him talk to us about it. Um, now, Bavesh, you're you're kind of considered a wellness doctor. Um, what what is that? How did you kind of get into that in your medical profession? Yeah, sure. Absolutely. So, you know, my, I'm board certified in family medicine. That's what I graduated residency with. Um, but I had actually ended up practicing urgent care for the first five years of my career. And that was really a lot of fun. I got to learn something new every day. I didn't know what I was going to see. There was a diversity of cases that are complex. But the learning curve started dropping off and some of the, the way medicine was headed wasn't really focused on uh, optimal health or, or wellness. I actually quit medicine for a couple of years and worked on Wall Street as a research analyst in biotech, um, which was a lot of fun, but it was actually more stressful than saving lives in the ER. Uh, so I quit that after a couple of years. And as I was coming back to Chicago to work, I wasn't really sure what direction I was gonna go to in medicine. Uh, but while I was in New York, I'd put on some weight and so as I was trying to get back in health myself, I realized I was struggling. The same things that I used to do when I was younger weren't working for me in terms of getting my energy back or being able to lose the midsection weight or gaining strength, recovery from exercise. So I knew that something was missing, something had changed in my body. Uh, so I started looking at all the medical journals I had access to. And, you know, even then, not, not, nothing really had uh, was spoken about health and wellness. Um, in my research, I found a, a medical clinic that focused on health and wellness, advanced labs, and, and a more fundamental approach to healing the human body. And so I signed up as a patient uh, first, but as I went through it, I decided I wanted to learn how to do this, uh, do this kind of medicine. But so for the last 11 years, I've, my practice has been in optimal health and wellness. Uh, what that means is, you know, you know, no matter what the patients coming in with, whether they're already in great health or want to stay in tip-top shape, or they've never been uh, on any kind of health program before and they're ready to, to start taking care of their health. You know, maybe they've been running a business for 
their whole life and now they're 50 or 60 and it's time to take a look at longevity or if people deal with chronic medical problems that other physicians haven't been able to solve and that's typically the kind of patient that comes in but we do an advanced set of labs and then the interventions are around nutrition fitness hormone management and nutrient supplementation and really by understanding the fundamental way uh the body works and understanding what the body uh the body status is you pull the appropriate levers and the body does an amazing job of healing itself versus the traditional medical model, which is uh, your blood pressure is high. Here's a pill to make it go lower. Well, the process causing the high blood pressure is still going on. You've just suppressed the outcome. Uh, same thing with diabetes or blood sugars. The blood sugars are elevated. We have a medicine that makes the blood sugars go down, but the same process that's created the diabetes is still going on. So we work way at the beginning of that chain to say what do we fundamentally change and improve and fix to get the body working the way it does. Maybe that's a little bit of a long answer, hopefully, but uh, rather no, than just good. a round list, that's what we do. Yeah, yeah. Why, why do you think the medical community is kind of, it seems like wellness would be the main focus, but it yeah. almost is like, I mean, what you do is, like you said, you couldn't find much. It was kind of a rarity. Why do you think that is for the medical profession? You know, I think there's a, there's a number of reasons. Um, you know, when, when I learned medicine as a medical student, you learn your how to do it from your from your uh, senior resident or your intern. The intern learns it from the senior resident who learns it from the attending, who learns it from the drug rep. I mean, when you're in the ivory towers, uh, that's where all the research is being done. Those are where the medical schools are at. But the research is being funded by pharmaceutical companies. So it ends up being here's something that's interesting to study and the, to do the research It's being funded by a pharmaceutical company and they're not looking for fundamental research. They're looking for drugs that work. And so I think it just filters down. Uh, we've gone from a holistic approach to a, here's a problem, here's a pill approach. Mm -hmm. And then secondly, I think there's a lot of subspecialization, right? So you have a cardiologist and they dive deep just into cardiology, your gastroenterologist, dives deep into the you know the gut issues the dermatologist looks at the skin issues and they've all got their uh, modalities of treatment that are uh, usually pharmaceutical based but no one says hey how are is there a common cause for why your gut hurts and you have a skin rash and your blood pressure is elevated and going back going back to the fundamental cause it's just a little bit more time uh the it, uh the way uh, remuneration works and the way people get paid, it's not based on the time and complexity of thought. It's based on the prescriptions that you write. And, you know, the, yeah. if you write a prescription, it's considered more complex than if you tell someone to eat better. Uh, so, and speaking of which, I probably had like 30 minutes or an hour worth of nutrition in medical school. So, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Well, one of the things you said earlier, and I know for me, this was amazing because I had a thing where every year I'd go and get my wellness exam. Uh, that my insurance would do. Um, and they would do, they would take blood and they would do a couple little things. And I would get a call from the doctor and they'd say, everything looks good. Or, oh, this is a little high. You may want to consider that. But you have people do what's called a full set of labs where it's a, it's a bunch of stuff. What, what, what's kind of involved in that without getting too technical? What, what all is involved in full labs versus what a lot of people just have their insurance company do? That's a great question. Uh, thank you. And uh, uh, that's, that's one of the things I love about what I do now. You know, 
with a regular set of labs, it's sort of what the insurance company is going to pay for. So that's going to be a very rudimentary basic set. It's sort of like the tip of the iceberg. You're seeing a little bit, but you're not really delving deep. You're not delving wide. When I say a full set of labs, we're looking not just at the first superficial number that might indicate diabetes, but we're looking at maybe a three or four month longer term average. We're looking at your insulin numbers. So there's a depth there. And then we're looking across all the organ systems and we're looking at the organs, we're looking at metabolic markers and inflammatory markers. So by casting a wider net and looking deeper, you're just going to find more. So, you know, you dig deeper and dig, dig more, you're going to find more. Uh, and that's sort of the, the reason I do it that way. But when you find more, you can, there's more options to do things. Yeah. And to me, that makes sense because every person is different. One person may struggle with this because it's hereditary, but one person may be struggling with this because of what's going on inside their levels. Right. So I think that's you know, a fascinating way. Yeah. If you don't, yeah, if you're not, if you're not looking, you won't know, right? Like I, I oftentimes you know, I'll ask a patient, Hey, have you ever had, do you have high blood pressure? No. What's the last time you had a blood pressure check? Oh, 10 years ago. <laughs> so how do you know you don't have high blood yeah. pressure? Right. So it's almost <laughs> like that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, something's not bothering me, so I'm fine. You know, yeah. and I think that's kind of where we get until something hurts. We don't really deal with stuff or look the, at it. The, the second piece, though, to that piece is besides looking for, for more depth and more breath in terms of labs. The second piece is how you interpret those labs. So in regular medicine, it's just sort of pass fail. Is the number too high or too low? And as long as you fall within the normal range, they just consider it normal. Well, the normal range is going to be what's called two standard deviations from the bell curve. It's 95% of people are going to fall within that. So only when you're failing in your grade will they consider it abnormal, and then you're supposed to do something. It's all the wheels off the bus have fallen off. Now we can do yeah. something, right? Versus saying, hey, you know, it looks like the tires are looking like they need some inflating. The lug nuts mm -hmm. might not be as tight as they should be. You know, let's let's make sure the the engine's running perfectly. Uh, that, and that's where, like, if you look at the numbers from an optimal perspective, let me give it a, a better way of saying it. It's kind of like going through school. You can go from fourth grade to fifth grade with a C, but it's not like getting there with an A. And so, whereas in regular medicine, if you got a C, it'll just be like, hey, you got a C, everything you're passing, see you next year. And I'm more like, well, you got a C. If you want to go to a B or a B plus or an A, here's what you should do. Yeah, no, I think that's a great way to explain it because that that really, it opened my eyes to so much more out there um, when we went through the labs and you explained all the stuff that that the reason why uh, I, I feel like I have a whole lot more control of what I do. And now when I'm when I'm uh, taking stuff, I know that I need to take these supplements because of what the labs did. So let's hit a couple of specific areas. Um, I know in our country, obesity uh, is an issue, sugar control. Um, why do you think we're struggling with that? And then how can the labs like insulin and things like that, what do they tell us? Sure. So obesity is huge, as you mentioned, and it's the root cause of multiple problems. I mean, you know, more obesity means more inflammation, which causes increased cardiac risk, increased risk of dementia. So it is important to get that down. Uh, you know, historically, it was just sort of people thought, well, you're obese because you eat too much. And it turns out that's not really as true as we thought. If it were, calorie restriction would work. And it hasn't worked for over 100 years. Uh, we're starting to understand that it's really more about the metabolism in the body. All calories aren't created equal. So carbohydrates can have a different impact on your hormones than proteins and fats are going to have. And so understanding that difference and understanding that there's a hormonal reason for uh, 
uh, weight gain and how your body handles calories is fundamental. Uh, you mentioned insulin. You know, insulin is the hormone that is responsible for taking sugar out of your bloodstream and putting it into your cells. So the more sugar you have in your bloodstream, the more insulin you have. Uh, and if there's more insulin, once the job of putting sugar into the cells is done, it floats around the bloodstream with, you know, not much to do, and it turns into a fat storage uh, uh, hormone. So the first thing is to get sugar out of the bloodstream. Second thing to do is to make fat. So once the sugar's gone and you have a lot of insulin, you're going to be making fat. Uh, you make more fat, you become more insulin resistant, so you need even more insulin. And it's a, sort of a vicious cycle that causes some of the obesity. That's one of them. We mentioned that one, but some people have low thyroid function. The metabolism's not working as efficiently as it could, so that could be a problem. Some people have something called adrenal fatigue, where chronic stress over three or five years impacts the body's cortisol levels and adrenal function. Uh, in fact, ironically enough, it's low cortisol that causes adrenal fatigue, and so then the other hormones don't work right, and that causes mm -hmm. difficulty with losing weight uh, and energy issues. And then finally, there's a couple of other hormones, leptin and ghrelin, uh, that are specifically related to your feelings of satiety, uh, meaning like how full are you and uh, what your hunger levels are. And those can get skewed based on poor diet. So, um, you know, I generally check insulin on everybody. I don't normally have to end cortisol on everyone. I don't normally have to get into leptin and, and uh, ghrelin, but those are tests that some people can do if, if, it, if it seems uh, that, that it's likely. But there's diets to correct for those things. Yeah, and that's it's interesting that, you know, people think, like you said, that, well, I just eat too much. And, and part of that may be true, but it's also, like you said, what we eat, how much of certain things do we eat and how it affects. So uh, my audience is men. And let's say there's a man out there who maybe is struggling with some overweight issues. Um, what would you recommend for him to do? Where would he start and kind of where would he move into as far as diet and things like that? Yeah, that's a great question. I think if, um, you know, there, there, I have two, two, two points of thought for that. You know, the, the first is uh, if, if they haven't ever tried any kind of a diet and they're just getting started, I think the most simple thing is to just start looking at your, the macro composition of your food. What that means is how, what you, what's your carbohydrates like, what's your fat intake like, and what's your protein intake like. And I'd make sure that, if you're looking at a nutritional label or your food, the grams of fat plus the grams of protein are greater than the grams of carbohydrates. Mm -hmm. if, these, you know, if you just keep the carbohydrates lower uh, in a composition of uh, food, that's going to make a difference. Um, now, if they've done that and they're still struggling, look, I think getting data is one of the best things to do. So I would encourage people to get some of these numbers checked. I'd get their glucose numbers checked and their insulin numbers checked. Uh, men, men start having hormone deficiencies with testosterone starting at the age of uh, 30, 33, or 35, getting a testosterone level checked, checking thyroid function. Um, it's so important for longevity. So at least having a baseline of those numbers, whether or not you even treat it, it's just good to have a baseline anyway. Uh, but if you see something, it's going to make it a lot more uh, specific with your treatment algorithm. Not saying you can't go try some different diets and uh, try the basics. And that's where people should start if they've never done anything. But if you're, if you've tried a few things and nothing's really working, that's, that's what happened to me. I tried all that. I was working out with a trainer and 
I was eating the right things that I, I thought I was eating the right things. Um, I was uh, living a good lifestyle, I thought. But once I made a few modifications with specific uh, goals in mind and specific pathway in mind, I went from 30% body fat to 21% body fat in about nine months. It was incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Now, um, I want to I hit this area. There's, there's a lot of ads for like pills and things at the store all these uh, supplements that say they help with weight loss. Um, and, mm -hmm. and I know people take them and do stuff like that. Do, do any of them really help or are they just people trying to sell something? Yeah, I think it depends on which ones they are, but most of them are going to be some version of an appetite suppressant, okay. you know, kind of like a speed. Uh, yeah. it, it's going to reduce your appetite uh, a bit and you'll eat less. You know, that has a place once in a while if you just have impulse control or control, uh, difficulty with controlling your food. But again, I found that once you just change the macro composition away from carbs to healthy fats and proteins, eventually your body will adjust to the right amount of calories. So you don't probably don't have to do that. Um, so the diet pills are usually th either thermogenic where they're trying to speed up your metabolism or their appetite suppressants. Uh, and reducing your calories for the long term does not work. Let me say that one more time. The idea that you're supposed to just do more calories, uh, uh, less calories in compared to what you spend is how you're going to lose weight, like creating a calorie deficit. That works in the short term to burn a little bit of fat. But in the long term, your body is looking to survive. We've survived for, you know, tens of thousands of years. And it wasn't because we spent more calories than we took in, right? So the body will start saying, you know what, we're getting 1,500 calories in, but we're spending 2,000 after a while, just as we can't afford to keep spending 500 extra calories a day, I'm going to spend less calories on my immune system, less calories on my bone development, less calories on my brain, less calories on my heart. It's just going to slow your metabolism down and your body will not be as healthy in the long term with long term calorie restriction. Okay. Okay. So, so the quick fix usually is not the best thing, which you, you hear no. that, but it's, I think to a lot of people try to do that with diets, especially men, they, especially the first of the year, January 1st, they're going to do the 20 egg a day diet and put dirt right. in their mouth the rest of the day or something like that. Yeah. I, I haven't found that to be necessary for most of my patients. There's a few times where, you know, someone's just struggling. They, they just need something to help them psychologically and maybe an appetite suppressant for a few, you know, a couple of weeks or maybe a month might be appropriate. Mm -hmm. But it's really about just making that first fundamental change. Yeah. Yeah. Now, what about exercise and weight training? What do you, what are your recommendations of that for men who are, you know, maybe they want to be healthier. What do you recommend for that as far as exercise, weight training, stuff like that? So with weight training, I think that's one of, for me, one of my favorite things for people to do as you build muscle, you create more what's called glute four receptors those receptors take sugar right out of the bloodstream uh, before your insulin system is even engaged. So from a weight loss perspective, it helps that way. You've got a higher basic metabolic rate, so it helps that way. You get bone development, helps that way. And then just overall strength for the long term, you know, as you start getting 10, 20, 30 years into the future, having that strength makes a huge difference in your skeletal structure and your ability to do things. You know, I, I was just talking to one of my patients today who uh, goes to the lake and he has one of those boats that makes waves. He surfs these waves <laughs> that the boat makes. He's 70 years old. And, wow. uh, 
and he you know, he's going back to this community where he grew up, and uh, the childhood friends of his who are seventy are barely walking around. I mean, they're decrepit, overweight, they can't hardly walk, and this guy is like surfing in a lake <laughs> at seventy. <laughs> so it's pretty cool. So I can't, I'm I'm fifty. I hope that when I'm seventy, I'm doing the same thing. You know? Yeah. Um, so yeah, weight training's great for that. Now, at cardio wise, there's two types. You've heard of them both. I mean, there's high intensity interval training. Well, hopefully you've heard of them both. There's aerobic training, which is the classic get in your fat burning zone for 30 minutes. And then there's the interval training or high intensity interval training where you're doing sprint work. Mm-hmm. Of those two, the sprint work is the superior method. Okay. And the, yeah. And the reason for that is when you are sprinting, you are using up oxygen so fast that your body has to break glycogen, which is two sugar molecule, molecules stuck together. You have to, you have to break up the glycogen for fuel. All right, versus fat, which is takes a little longer to bur- to break up the fat. Well, when you break up the uh, those two sugar molecules and you're using that fuel system, that's the anabolic system that uh, and the glycogen is stored in your liver and your in your muscles. The adaptive response, and this is critical. People think about the amount of calories they burn during the exercise, but what you want to think about is the evolutionary adaptive response. And the adaptive response to high intensity interval training is your body says, hey, we're using a lot of glycogen that happens to be stored in the muscles. Let's secrete a little bit of growth hormone and make more muscles and store more glycogen. By the way, way, this fat that we're hanging on to, we don't really need as much of it because we're not using our fat burning system, right? Okay. Right. Now, if you're burning fat in your aerobic zone all the time, you know, and your body says, hey, you know, five times a week, I need an hour worth of fat. Well, that, that week you skip one or two workouts or you eat an extra donut, what does the body think it needs for survival? Fat, right? So then you're going to store, you know, you turn into a fat storage guy. So yeah, you're, as long as you're burning more calories than you take in with your aerobic exercise, you might not put on fat, but as soon as, but you're, you're training your body to need fat for survival. So I like to think about it from an evolutionary standpoint. That's why, you know, using the fast fuel, that glycogen, like you know this intuitively, if you look at um, a marathoner, you know, they'll run 26 miles. And I've seen marathoners who obviously look like the Kenyans were tourists, you know, stick thin rails mm-hmm. or, you know, heavy guys, 250, 300 pounds finishing a marathon. But you look at sprinters, they're running what, one minute, two minutes at a time. And they're like, they've got muscles everywhere. They look like they're chiseled out of granite, like Greek yeah. statues, right? So just, you know, we can see this just by watching the Olympics. You can see that. Okay. Yeah, that's interesting. That makes sense because like, I've done triathlons and you know, people who do triathlons and it's very much, you get two extremes. You get the people who are super thin and the people who, you know, you would think you do a triathlon. And then I've also noticed that sometimes when I'm training, if I, once the race is done, it's, it's amazing how you do. And you think it's cause you're not training, which it is, but your body just packs on some weight after all yeah, that. Exactly. Exactly. So uh, so that's why the now there's a place for uh, the endurance work because you do release some endorphins and it's a stress reliever. You know, yeah. it should be part of your workout routine to get maybe one or two long runs every so often. But from a weight loss perspective, if that's what we're talking about, it's the uh, hit training. That's uh, there's another real good benefit of hit training. I'll just kind of throw this one out there too. Um, when you're creating that oxygen deficit because you're anaerobic, anaerobic meaning no oxygen, you're creating an oxygen deficit in the muscles and the body secretes lactate and lactate ends up being a signal for new blood vessel growth because 
the body says, hey, there's no oxygen here. We want more oxygen. Let's make some new blood vessels. Well, when you start making new blood vessels, it's kind of like going from like a two-lane highway to a four-lane highway to an eight-lane highway. Mm-hmm. And, and just like in traffic, or just like, you know, just like on the roads, the traffic goes down with the more lanes there are, your blood pressure goes down the more blood vessel lanes there are. This has been some really amazing stuff. In fact, Bavesh gave us so much that we're going to have a whole nother episode on it. So make sure to check out the next episode where we're going to continue this conversation we had with Bavesh Patel. We'll see you guys later. You've been listening to the Confident Man Podcast. Click subscribe so you don't miss a future episode. You can connect with David on Facebook and Instagram at David the Maxwell. Find resources to help you as a man at theconfidentman.me. That's theconfidentman.me.